0: I just want to be okay, be okay, be okay. I just want to be okay
1: today. I just Well, be okay. welcome on Pace to another podcast, and it's an exciting one here on Patriots Day. Um, today was supposed to be the 124th running of the Boston Marathon. And of course, we all know that that is postponed, hopefully until September, hopefully to happen again here in 2020. But we shall see how it goes. But uh, right now, we're staying safe and sane here in the Northwoods. And we have two of our great friends, um, Reggie Thomas, out in beautiful Los Angeles, California, who is uh, an awesome guy. We're excited to get to him to talk to you a little bit. And then Carrie's good friend, Steph Clee Thermis, uh, from down in the Madison area as well. Um, of course, and then we have Carrie here, and uh, and everybody respectively is uh, is rocking their their Boston gear and that's really the the purpose behind this is to kind of share share some of the some of the thoughts on Boston and I uh, I want everybody to introduce themselves to each other but uh, in an interesting way even though we're going to talk about marathoning this group is kind of together because of ultra marathoning. Um, <laughs> And uh, I'll start with Reggie because he's the most recent to the group. We only met, had the pleasure of meeting Reggie and his beautiful wife uh, when they stayed at the same resort as we did in Catalina Island in January. And uh, Carrie and I did our, our 50K, which paled in comparison to Reggie, who rocked a 50 miler up and down the beautiful mountains of Catalina Island. And uh, on that day, we were able to, before the day and the day after, we were able to see Reggie, and we've kept in touch since then. So, Reggie, why don't you uh, give a little bit about who you are, if you would, please.
2: Well, I I live in uh, Southern California, a town called Chino Hills. We've been here 20 years, married to Janine, who is also a runner. just ran her first marathon uh, a few weeks ago, the L.A. Marathon. Uh, She's run several half marathons. She's a seventh-grade science teacher. And uh, I have two daughters who are 24 and 26, so I've been running for about 12 years. I'm kind of late to the sport, ran my first marathon when I was 45, so this is my 12th year of running, and just love it, just love it. Met some great people like you guys, and that's been kind of the joy of running for me, it's just the social aspect of it. So, great to be with you guys this evening.
1: Yeah, thanks, Reggie. And your 24 and 26-year-old, have they gotten the bug yet?
2: My 24 year old, she she ran her first marathon as well. L A. She and my wife ran it together.
1: Oh, that's, that's great! There. And that would have been like the last weekend
2: before the blow up, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, so the, yeah, they got in right before the lockdown started, so they got a chance to run there first. So that was great.
1: That's awesome. So um, so Reggie and Carrie and I met on an ultra. And Steph, why don't you share how you and Carrie got to the cross paths, if you
0: yeah. will? Yeah. So, Carrie, K- what year did we meet? Was that 2015? 14. 2014. Carrie and I um, ran an iconic race up in Door County, Wisconsin, called the Fall 50, and it's uh, it's a fun kind of local race with uh, the opportunity to run 50 miler. Uh, a 50 miler. Most people run it as a team. Carrie and I uh, independently thought it would be a good idea to run it solo. And it was both of our first 50 mile race. We had never done such a thing before. And Carrie and I, uh, it, those who know us know we are very competitive people, especially when it comes to racing. And so we are very focused in, uh, in the zone. Um, and so uncharacteristically, both of us within, I don't know, the first couple of meters of the race, I think Carrie looked over to me and she said, we were running together next to each other. And she said, have you ever done this before? And I said, no. And she said, yeah, me neither. And we ended up running uh, about 35 miles together, 34, 35, something like that. Um, And developed a friendship in those 30 some miles. And we've been friends ever since. So it was kind of a happenstance meeting, doing something crazy, but something we both love. Yep. That was the most
3: besides pacing, that I've ever talked to a, another person during a race. But honestly, it made it, I mean, as much as a 50-miler can fly by, it did. It helped the day so unbelievably much. It was crazy. So, I also
0: yeah, met Paul you. that day, too. He was kind of a crazy cheerleader. So little did I know the personality behind that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It wasn't just a one-day event. It, yeah. It's a, a consistent. <laughs> but cool oh. all right so that's everybody and so we're all rocking boston so um who's got so i am i'm wearing the 2010 version of the boston jacket and i think then next up chronologically reggie what year are you rocking this
3: is
2: the 2014 jacket
1: the bright Got it. And is that a year that was a big deal to you? Is that uh, let's start with maybe the details. How many how many have you done, Reggie?
2: So I've run eight Boston's. I ran uh, 2011 through 2016, skipped 2017, and then ran 18 and 19. And so uh, this jacket represents a year that's very special because I ran in 13, the year of the bombing, and uh, that was actually my best uh, finish time in Boston, but it really meant nothing. You know, end of the day when the bombs went off and it was such a devastating and heartbreaking day. I mean, that was one of those uh, days in Boston or any race for that matter. It didn't matter if your time was awesome or terrible. It didn't really matter in comparison to what happened that day. So, um, I went back the next year and, uh, that was just a, to me, that was an iconic year. First of all, it was, uh, a large field. They let more people run that year just to support the the whole Boston Strong Emphasis. And uh, it was a huge party, huge celebration during during the race. And it felt good to be a part of that because it was the year that we actually reclaimed uh, the streets of Boston. We reclaimed the Boston Marathon, uh, we reclaimed confidence in the sport of running. But also, if you remember, that's when MEV won, the first American to win it in 30-something years. So this race will be will always be special because it was kind of the the celebration year after a devastating year. So that's why I chose to wear 2014 for this for this time together.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Steph, were you there in 14?
0: I was not. I was defending my dissertation that day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you win?
0: (laughs) I
2: can't.
1: That's great. Um, Carrie and I were there in both bombing year and subsequent year. Carrie, do you have any thoughts on 14?
3: I totally agree with Reggie. Um, if I had to pick one of the marathons in my life that I've run, and this is 45 now, I would pick the one you said, 2014 Boston. And it's hard to describe, but when you can just feel it like that, I I have never experienced anything like that. The emotion, the spirit, the pride it happened to be a beautiful day of sunshine, um, a little, you know, but not too hot and lots of people with, um, uh, missing limbs running. I don't know if you noticed that too, Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that got emotionally, but, and then running down Boylston at the end and having the memories and just, ah, yeah, it, it like kind of brings me chills right now. So yeah, I, I won't, you, you said it well and I reinforced that 2014,
2: Terry, I'm not a, not a crybaby, but uh, when I made the turn uh, on the Boylston Street and I turned and saw the finish line, even though I'd run Boston three or four times before that, there was something special about making that turn that day. I mean, the crowds, the energy was amazing. It was just electric. And uh, and I actually cried from that turn on Boston to the finish line, okay? So don't tell anybody about that. I'm really not a wimp, okay? But, but I actually lost it coming down the final stretch of that day.
0: Mm-hmm. So I was it's actually there in, I was there in 2014. I meant I wasn't there in 2013. One of my favorite memories from that one, I don't know if either of you participated in this, but there was a movement among the runners to make little cards and pass them off to volunteers as you were running by. And so I remember having like five little note cards saying thank you to the volunteers. And I remember passing them out at the water stations. So that was one of my fun memories from that year.
1: So you did twenty fourteen as well, Steph?
0: Yeah, sorry. I did not do
1: twenty thirteen. I did twenty fourteen. Oh, okay. Wow. Awesome. We were all there in fourteen. Cool. And we all would have been there tomorrow. I said Carrie a text and said, Hey, we're on layover in Atlanta on our way to Manchester right now on Friday night when I got the Google update on my calendar. Only to uh to you know, I have to of course say no. So um so Steph, what year are you are you rocking in the jacket form?
0: The infamous 2018, uh, which is fondly known as the monsoon or nor'easter year, where we all swam from Hopkinton to Boston. Um, so I think it's hard to say anything but my first marathon is my favorite Boston, but this certainly was a very memorable Boston. It's the worst weather I have ever run in, and probably the worst weather I ever will run in because I'm not sure I will ever voluntarily do that again. Um, but it was also, now that I've forgotten the pain uh, of being so miserably cold and wet, um, it was also one of the most fun that I can remember. It happened to be my birthday that day, and um, so the celebration afterwards with both Carrie and Paul at their traditional hangout uh, was, was awesome, and then we went to our, with my running partners, we went to my favorite post-race hangout, and then my friend threw me a surprise birthday party in Boston, which was super fun and, spe- and spectacular, and I tried to sabotage it unknowingly, but um, I, all my friends had gathered afterwards, so it's just, it holds a special place in my heart, despite the, the difficult weather that day, and Dad won that one, so that was really cool, because um, when I was at the bottom of Heartbreak Hill, struggling, not very happy at that point cold, miserable, wet, Um, some guy with a megaphone was yelling that Dez had won, and that just gave me the extra push and excitement I needed to kind of get through those last five miles, so that was exciting.
1: You just put the Michigan girl in the crappy weather, and you get results. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, uh, Steph, I will never forget your face. I believe it was mile 10, I think I was, in, I saw you in Natick at the fire station and you had this aqua blue shirt on and this clear plastic bag over you. And you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. you know. <laughs> and But your style was just like usual electric. And so, and it really, it's a vivid memory. All of the people that year watching that, not running it was uh was remarkable as well in a very totally different way. So, um Miller, what year do you have on?
3: I I have last year on um because it was the most recent. I don't <laughs> I don't, I'm sure it was great. I <laughs> It's I mean not one of my top 3, but it's the jacket that I picked out of the closet.
2: There you go. You're, Actually, you're, it's not you're a, rocking that color, okay? I just want you to know you're rocking that color, all right?
3: Thank you, Reggie.
2: Good save.
1: Okay, so so Steph, you brought up Heartbreak Hill. Tell me who, uh, of the three of you, your respective opinions on that stretch, that Heartbreak Hill that everybody talks about. Is it as bad as they say it is, or is it just another couple of miles of hills in the middle of a marathon that you just have to trudge through? Well, Open forum.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at that first. So it's commonly known that that's actually uh, technically not the worst hill on the course. There's a there's a the hill right before it is is longer and more steep or steeper. So it's um, many people feel that it's the harder hill. I would agree. I don't think heartbreak is all that terrible. Um, it's just that it comes at mile 20.5, and so you're just ready to be done with the Newton Hills. And it's all kind of downhill or even course from there, so I don't think it's all that bad. But I don't even always know when I'm on Heartbreak Hill unless I see signs that say you're on Heartbreak Hill. So,
2: <laughs>
1: Reggie, any thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of an idiot. Uh, after running Boston eight times, I still don't know where Heartbreak is. Okay, <laughs> I just know there's a bunch of hills that I've got to get through. Uh, <laughs> I remember back in 2011 when I first ran it, uh, I knew I was somewhere around it, and uh, so I'm going up this hill, and uh, I asked somebody, I said, uh, are we on Heartbreak Hill yet? And they said, I don't know, and so uh, I started counting hills, and I remember um, I'm going up a fifth hill, and I thought, wait a minute, there's only four hills, and I didn't know that Heartbreak kind of goes up flattens out, and then it starts to go up again. I thought, why are there five hills here?
3: <laughs> Honestly,
2: I I still don't know where heartbreak is. I mean, I know where it is mileage-wise, but I never know when I'm on it, to be quite frank with you. But living here in Chino Hills, I mean, I, I'm, I train on hills every day. So right. I really don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is. Um, I agree with Stephanie. I think it feels hard just because you've got four consecutive hills. You know, between mile sixteen and mile twenty, I think that's what makes it hard. But here in Southern California, I mean I, I live in hills and so I train on them every day. So I'm kinda used to that. But I think the difficult part is just where it's at in the race. But yeah. I'm an idiot. So I still don't know where when I'm on it. So
1: there's there's such a beautiful thing to Heartbreak Hill, and I'll I'll let Carrie talk about that, which is after you crest the top of it. Any thoughts on that, Miller?
3: Yeah, that would definitely be my favorite part of the race. Um, To me, Heartbreak Hill is just the conglomeration of all the hills from 16 to 21. And to me, if I can make it past that last hill, whatever Heartbreak is, you know, the last hill, and it kind of starts going down a little bit, and you get BC College right there. And... The crowd, they're just crazy. They're screaming at the top of their <laughs> lungs. Like, I know from that point, I know I can do it. So, and and it's not just there at mile 21, 22. It's like the whole rest of the way, the crowd is just humongous and crazily cheering. And, like, what I try to do on the hills is kind of maintain the same pace-ish I've been going. So, I don't, you know, I, I'm i a big fan of the negative Split, so I have a little bit left in the tank to get up those hills, and then I try and see if the crowd can motivate me to speed up a little bit those last couple miles to the end.
1: Mm, that's good. The um, In 2010, I did get the chance to run it, and I went to Marquette University where our nickname at one point was the Warriors, but now it's the Golden Eagles, which is also the nickname of Boston College. And I crested over the top of that. I'd heard about these people that have been doing kegs and eggs since 7 a.m. and that are now lining the streets. And so I would look uh, 20 feet in front of me, make eye contact with somebody, and just screamed at the top of my lungs, Let's go,
0: Golden Eagles!
1: And the (laughs) roar that went up was off the (laughs) charts. And so I just kept saying it the whole way I was going downhill. And uh, it it is for sure the most memorable experience. bit of time in the boston marathon for me um reggie what's your favorite part of the race
2: uh, i like uh mile 13 mile 12 and mile 13 where you get to the girls college now i've never kissed a girl okay so that's my story and i'm sticking with it all right never kiss the girls there but uh there's so much energy there um uh, i always look forward to that and you can hear you can hear them screaming like a mile before you get there and Unbelievable. Uh, I always find there's different places along the course where you feel like you get that energy and carrie I agree you know when you crest heartbreak hill and you start to go down there's uh there's energy there but at mile twelve mile thirteen there's also that 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 level of energy as well. So I kinda love that area. Uh it's just high energy, very electric. You feel a lot of core support at that point. So that's one of my favorites.
1: Awesome. And Steph, since since Reggie's taken Wesley and Carrie's taking c- taking Boston College, what are you left with? What do you got?
0: Oh, gosh, I, I'm not going to say the stereotypical beginning and end because those are spectacular. But do you all enjoy the, there's a the furniture store. I think it might be in Framingham with the mirror windows. Unfortunately, I think it's closed for good now, but I always love passing that um because it's just this block of mirrored windows and so you see all the runners um running by and there's often a guy in a big chair with a megaphone at that point too and so that's always just kind of a fun part of the race for me yeah Yeah.
1: um i'm going to give you guys a different perspective here my sister lives in in boston for many many years she and her husband lived on tremont street right in downtown boston Mm -hmm. and now they have three children a fourth on the way and they've Kicked it to the burbs to uh, Marblehead, and yet annually they make the trek down uh, with my with myself, and, and we generally bring one child as well, and I get to spectate the whole thing. And we have this puppy licked, guy. I see, m- along with our entourage, we know how to get from mile three to mile seven to mile ten to mile sixteen to the finish line as long as we hustle every single stop after seeing our people along the way. And uh, the the it is unbelievable that no matter where you are in the course as a spectator, you catch on to the energy of that area, and they are all symbiotically so aligned. Whether it's the early part of the race in Natick or um, whatnot, where it, maybe it's not six six deep like it is toward the end, the energy that those people still bring early in the race is absolutely second to none. And it really is such a powerful thing to be on the spectator side of the Boston Marathon. So what you guys give as runners, we appreciate as spectators. It doesn't just go from spectators to the runners. Yeah. Um, go ahead,
2: Red No, you're
0: upset. I was just going to say, and I think it's important to, to appreciate that Boston is all about the weekend, too. It's not just that day. I think that's what makes Boston so magical and special because on the surface, it's any other race, right? You go to the race expo, you pick everything up, um, you have to go to the bus to go out to a point-to-point, point, or to be bused out to a point-to-point point course. You run 26 miles, you get a medal, et cetera. But I think what makes Boston so magical is the way it's fully embraced by runners and non-runners. So the in the days leading up when we're all in Boston, the city is just completely transformed, and it's a runner's paradise, literally, for four days. And I just remember, and I love that everywhere you walk, people and Bostonians treat you like a celebrity. They thank you for coming to their city and running. Um, they wish you luck. They ask you about your running history. Complete strangers you have you have conversations with. And I just think that that is so, uh, so neat about Boston. And we were talking about 2014 after the bombings. I remember police officers just shaking everyone's hands and just so grateful that runners came out. And I think that's what makes uh, Boston so special beyond just uh, Monday race day.
2: I agree with that, Stephanie. I mean, it's more than just a race; it's an experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed Bostonians—they love their—they love their culture, they love their sports, you know. And uh, and I think they take pride in the fact that this is the oldest and the most prestigious. Or a race in the world, I think they take pride in that, and I think they have a deep appreciation for those of us who come to uh, participate in it. There's nothing like crossing the finish line, and then have to, uh, you know, find your way through closed streets to get back to your hotel, and you encounter, you know, the the residents of Boston, and they're all high fiving you and congratulating. You. I mean, they don't even know you, but they see you with that medal around your neck, and uh, and they're so proud to congratulate you. So. That's always a special time, isn't it? Yeah.
1: I think we could talk about Boston for a lot longer. We try to keep these things to a somewhat manageable amount of time. So I think I'll, I'll change gears on the topic at this point. Um, this weekend, we have the, um, the first event coming up for the Happy Space Virtual Race Series, which is really exciting, a half marathon in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, we have a great small business there called Garden to Doorstep, a five-person family company that has lost about half of their business because they supply organics right to doorsteps of people, um, not, not only people that have bought it on a personal level, but businesses. <clears throat> so businesses that have a uh, a culture where they want to give provide their 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 employees energy throughout the day. They bring in these organics to be able to, to do that. And now, of course, with, with the shutdown of businesses, they've lost half of their business uh, because of that, because of the, the pandemic. So um, that's who this first week's worth of efforts going toward this week. And we're really excited to share. Anne is the owner of the company and her family. Share her story on Saturday on a Zoom call. So we will um, look forward to seeing all the results of everyone's 13.1 miles leading up to that. Steph, you gonna do it?
0: Right. <laughs> I did it. Reggie. I did it. <laughs>
1: Reggie, you got you got 13.1 in you before Saturday.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm
1: just try to keep up with. I'm gonna just try to keep up with Miller. We were gonna pace the 155, so I think we're gonna try to nail that. Okay. Leading up to the okay. the event on Saturday, but uh, great to spend a couple of minutes with you guys, Reggie. Thanks for jumping on, Steph. Thanks for staying up late. We appreciate it, Miller.
3: <laughs> thanks for sharing yeah. your
1: thoughts and wisdom.
3: Yeah, Reggie. Hope to see you in September in Boston for for number nine for you, number six for Steph, number ten for me.
1: Yeah, so the follow-up to this will be the week after Boston, we would have this group back on for a post-Boston recap. How's that sound?
2: That sounds cool. Well, hey, thanks uh, Thanks for inviting me to be a part of this. Uh, I know you guys know hundreds and thousands of runners, but uh, it's an honor to, that you guys asked me to be a part of this. Thank you for that. Stephanie, it's great meeting you. I feel like I have a friend now.
0: Yeah, same with you, Reggie. These—that's just their—that's their gift. They bring people together. So, kudos to you too. Excited for this new virtual race pace race, whatever the tagline is. I don't remember. <laughs> <I don't> By <remember. laughs> next week, you're gonna have this nail. Yeah,
2: okay. for sure.
0: Yeah.
3: We we, we
2: knew yeah, Stephanie. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Good night, everyone. Good, good night, 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 you. you, well, yeah. good to see you guys.
3: Okay.